Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Uh, Like you heard already, this is a Pentecost Sunday. And we are going to be starting a new series this week, but I did want to take a quick moment at the beginning just to pause and reflect on on this idea of Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room and there was this this movement of the Spirit, not just within those disciples, but within the people who were around and people came to know who Jesus is in a powerful way. And I, I just, I find that so encouraging because I don't know about you, but there are people within my life, people that I come across where I ask the question, God, I don't know what it is I need to say, God, I don't know what it is that I need to do for them to come to know who you are, but this is the truth that we can hold on to, that it is not your words, it is not your strength, it is not your actions that ultimately make the difference, that it is the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to shift the, the landscape around us that really does become the motivating, the, this, the shifting factor. And so this moment on Pentecost Sunday isn't about uh, people all coming to speak one language that 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 would be a that would be an authoritarian government coming into place making everybody speak one language this is about the people of God coming to understand one another this is many languages being spoken and them understanding one another in that and that the beauty of that I think is the beauty of the kingdom of God it's the beauty of the local church. It's the beauty of what we get to be a part of at City Collective. It is unity in our uniqueness. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit that we can lean into. We, we, talk, we talked about it these past few weeks about the Holy Spirit. Last week was our Q&A Sunday. The previous four weeks before that, we were looking at the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you, if you missed one of those Sundays, tune into that. Um, check it out if you're looking for an understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? I hope that some of those talks can provide a little bit of framework here on this Pentecost Sunday. Now, uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are starting a new series here at City Collective, which I am very excited about. We are going to be going through the book of James for this next six weeks, a journey through James. And it's going to be a, a really wonderful thing to kind of spend some time on to dig into you're going to hear some different voices in the process to kind of provide some context and some understanding through the book itself and and here's what I want you to know about the book of James James does not pull any punches it is punchy and it is direct he kind of shoots from the hip he and he doesn't get bogged down in lengthy theological exposition and it's a letter that kind of leaves you leaves you with some practical application, some ideas of what a faith in Jesus can really look like in the real world. He talks about how we speak, how we should think about our wealth or lack of wealth, how to approach conflict, sickness, and suffering. It, it, it is all about what it means to truly follow Jesus, and it is, and it will show us what genuine faith looks like in real life. So I hope that this next six weeks, as we're talking through the, the, the book of James, that you would open yourself up to consider what can my faith look like beyond a good idea, but beyond a nice thought, beyond an isolated experience on a Sunday morning, but in my everyday real life application. 
So we're going to be starting in James chapter 1, and we're going to read a quick scripture together. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Where do you find joy? And, and maybe there's like a heaviness with that question, but I hope that there are some things that immediately come to your mind. Because the Bible talks about joy all throughout. Right in Genesis 1, the idea of God's creation is meant to spark, spark joy. Nature maybe is a space where you find joy. Uh, in, in, in Psalm 104, it specifically says that wine can be a place of joy. I think it's that this place of celebration together. Weddings, kids, perfume, all of these things are talked about in the Bible as, as these moments where we might experience joy. I think for myself, when I think about joy, when do I experience joy? I think about carrot cake. I think about cinnamon buns. Maybe it's just food for me. I think about like a good medium, medium rare ribeye or prime rib steak. I, like that, that gives me this feeling of there's a possible joy within this. Uh, maybe it's playing with, with our collective FC soccer team. I get a lot of joy out of that. Champs three times over represent. We haven't been able to do it for a little while. I can't wait till we get back. Maybe it's like an epic night of board games with, with some friends, uh, a captivating book or, or a riveting conversation. It, it, joy is in those moments where I'm able to be part of a baptism, where I'm able to be part of a conversation where someone is coming to know who Jesus is. It's, it's a date night with Adriana. And, and, and it's those things which spark life within me to the very core. And I think for a lot of us, when we think of the idea of joy, we associate it with these things or experiences but is that joy or is that simply happiness or being in a good mood because I would say that we might feel a sense of joy in those moments but this is not the biblical joy that we are being invited to discover right at the beginning of this book so would it be all right if we talked for a little while today about what is actually controlling our joy and what can joy look like for you in your story today so let's look at james chapter one you can follow along on the screen we're going to start first read out of the niv james chapter one verses two to two to four and maybe you've heard this scripture but i always find it so compelling it says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to read uh, the scripture again, but I want to read it out of the message just to capture your imagination. And it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. This, this week, we were doing some work on our, on our home, and uh, I've talked about it before. I'm not a particularly handy individual, but when you become a homeowner, home you are compelled to take on that mantle at least a little bit. And so we were doing a little bit of work around the home, uh, just painting one of the spaces. And uh, we, had, we had one of our friends come and help. Uh, you know him well. Biggie was, was helping us paint uh, one of the spaces. And he, he brought this Bluetooth speaker. 
and he had it set out on one of the shelves and we were going to play, play some music while we were getting work done and going to really enjoy ourselves and we weren't able to get it to work, weren't able to get it to work and then suddenly music just started to play. Music just started to play out at random and, and I recognized the playlist because it was my, my have some fun, enjoy the moment playlist. And I was like, okay, it must be my phone. I'm, I'm, I recognize it so I'm going to let it keep going and then it would change songs once in a while or it would stop occasionally or we and we wouldn't understand where was the source of this music coming from turns out in the other room it was linked up to adriana's phone and she's laughing her her beautiful little head off as she is messing with us and changing the song and controlling the music as we're in the moment and I, I'm, I'm thinking about this i'm like i'm enjoying the music but i'm not actually controlling the source of it I'm not even aware of the source of it. I'm actually just going to have to experience it as it comes. And I wonder this morning, as we, as we think about this idea of joy, that joy might come our way, that we might encounter experiences in our life that cause us joy, but do we know the source of our joy? Because I think to know, to know the source is to know what sustains and to know what sustains is to know our Savior. And far too often, the trials, the tests, the tribulations of life, they overwhelm and they dictate our experience of the moment. And when I read this scripture, I, I find it compelling that it's saying, consider it a sheer gift. Consider it pure joy. Well, first of all, uh, I think we've all experienced <laughs> trials and tribulations to some degree that the idea of just making it joyful sometimes can seem like blind optimism. But I don't think that's what James is talking about. Because this is what happens when you consider. I want to highlight that word, consider. While we were doing the painting, uh, drink of choice in that moment was a beautiful can of ginger ale. I don't know about you, but that is my soft drink of choice. I love some ginger ale. And I was looking at the can, and maybe this is just as I get older, I do this more often, I find myself doing this. I was looking at the can, and I was looking at the, the, the tag on the top of it, the thing that you pull up. I don't know what it's called in particular, but you, you crack it open, and it opens up the can for you to enjoy. And I was thinking to myself, I started to consider the design of this can, and I was like, I'm a grown man. And I would have never thought about how to make this thing before. This thing can open the can. I can drink from it. I can put a straw through it. This is ingenious. And this is what happens when you consider. When I start to consider the things around me with some careful thought, I start to gain a sense of gratitude. I start to get a little perspective. And I think that's what James is saying at the very beginning here. He's not saying, don't rush to joy in every situation just because you want to be optimistic. He's saying, consider it pure joy. Consider, what if you were to actually look at the situation for what is taking place and consider how joy might be possible? Maybe you get a sense of gratitude. Maybe you get a little perspective. Maybe you get a little bit of admiration of a pop can and how all the ways that it works. But consider is an interesting word to start this conversation because when, whenever we have life come at us from all sides and I like to identify that as well he's not saying that when this specific situation happens count it pure joy he's saying when many kinds of trials he's not trying to just identify one he's just saying life is full of trials but I would like for you to consider it 
pure joy. Life isn't always cinnamon buns and carrot cake all the time, but there are real challenges that we face. As we, as we jump into scripture, I, I want to provide a little context around this, this book of James. Because our author, James, he was the half-brother of Jesus, and the biological co- connection provided James with, with no real natural advantage or inside track. Because one of the first things that we hear about Jesus' brothers is that they didn't believe him. They says this in John chapter 7, verse 5. Yet, by the start of the book of Acts, they are listed along with Mary with those who are worshiping alongside Jesus' first disciples. So what happened? What, what accounts for this dramatic change? Well, Paul, he ended up providing a little bit of an explanation because following the resurrection, Jesus himself actually appeared to James in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7, and notes this. And it was not long after this that James became one of the leading Christians in the early church in Jerusalem. We, we see that in Acts chapter 21. So James, he, he, he has this journey that he goes on where he denies and then he comes to know who Jesus is. And then out of this space, he starts to give this direct practical prompt of what that faith begins to actually look like in this, in this instance. If you read a couple of the other epistles, maybe one from Paul or uh, another book in the Bible, you might find that some of those authors are a little more artsy. They're a little bit more poetic. They like to be a little bit more um, in-depth in their presentation of themselves, even in their introduction. James, on the other hand, feels like a preacher in a hurry. He's got something to say. He doesn't linger at the start of the letter. He, he, he's not looking to warm us up gently. He kind of says, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. And now consider it pure joy. He does not ease his way into this top of his agenda are trials and how we respond to them and right away we see what kind of letter this is it's practical and it's direct and he says this word trials and in the greek it's parasmos and i think when i hear the word trials in our modern day understanding of the word uh, i get a really dramatic picture in my brain I think of someone who is under heavy persecution. I think of somebody that is experiencing maybe some kind of dramatic spiritual attack. Or or, or my my mind goes to the excessive and and the dramatic. When in reality, this word is not meant to talk about some kind of demonic meddling as we might imagine it. But rather, it is meant to evoke the idea of a science experiment. So I spent many years, five in fact... Four, four and a half, working on my biological sciences degree. And within that degree, I spent many, many hours in a lab doing a variety of things. I got to dissect a shark at one point, a little mini shark. I got to, to dissect a turtle. I was working in, in the chemistry labs, making things like acetaminophen and ibuprofen. And, and you got to do a lot of varieties of different things. But this idea of, of pressure was always involved in a science experiment. It, w- it was pressure in, in w- what you're doing to the materials at play, about the elements at work. Because within every experiment, there are elements that are involved. And what this idea of trials is meant to evoke is understanding that the elements of our science, of ex- our science experiment, our, our daily experiences of life, our 
our you and our me and the different variables around us. And the variables are causing the pressure on us. And then the question that we're kind of left with, left with is, what happens when pressure is applied? What do you do when you undergo some specific pressures? We're not to pretend that trials and grief and hurts do not impact us. And I, I want you to hear that wholeheartedly. When the reality of life comes, we are not to simply brush it off and say, hey, you know what, it's okay, I'll move on, I'm going to bury my emotions. That is not healthy. We need to identify, we need to speak into it. It is natural and it's normal to do that, and I want you to hear that. And it would be a denial of our humanity to think that we should be immune to the pain of our hardships in our lives or in the lives of others. Pain is a reflex of a reaction to our trials, and it's completely legitimate. James is saying, he's not saying that we should be looking for trials either. He's not saying that in order for you to be persevering, in order for you to be a man of great faith or a woman of great faith, in order for you to actually move forward in your relationship with Christ, you have to undergo trials, so go and find them. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we should deliberately create situations in which we will suffer. No. Suffering in of itself is not a good thing. But James is saying that it is what God can accomplish through suffering that is good, not the suffering itself. And it is an opportunity to gain the most valuable thing on earth, a faith that is complete and lacking nothing, a maturity and depth in our relationship with Jesus. Because faith, friends, faith is it isn't meant for comfort or convenience. Faith is a conviction in the midst of trial and suffering. And within the midst of that trial and suffering, there's that pressure that comes on us. And what does pressure sometimes create? Pressure can create something beautiful, like a diamond is formed. A pressure is required. It can be, provide clarity that you suddenly start you stop seeing all the things around you and you start focusing on what is directly in front of you. Pressure can provide purpose. Pressure can also reveal the cracks. And it says in James chapter 1, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance produces perseverance sometimes i know that i need to hear that for myself because i don't want to feel like my faith is producing perseverance i want to feel like my faith is producing a solution it's not saying that faith produces a quick solution faith does not provide this this dramatic de deterrence that you're going to just suddenly move past the situation that you're in faith produces perseverance and I almost want to replace that word perseverance with this, this word steadfastness. To be steadfast within the season that you're in. To stand 
fast. I, I remember having conversations with, with friends when we were making the move from, from Calgary out here to the lower mainland, and I had a couple of them say to me that I, I appreciate that you're steady. I appreciate that you're steadfast. And I almost took that as uh, like a jab. I didn't want to be known as steady and steadfast. I wanted to be known as 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 charismatic. I wanted to be known as, as dynamic, of, of moving and of shaping, that I come into a, a situation, and you know what I'm saying, that, that I wanted to be known as something else, but to be known as something that was steady and steadfast almost felt like something that was disrespectful and cruel, but as I have moved forward in this journey of being a pastor here at City Collective, in relationships that I have, and even just getting older in life, I have come to appreciate this idea of perseverance and steadfastness that we have, that we need, and we can discover in the course of our life. Because to be steadfast, do not, dis, do not associate it with the wrong things. I think often our picture of being steadfast can often feel like just being stubborn. It can feel like being arrogant. It can feel like being selfish. But to be steadfast is none of those things. To be steadfast is the byproduct of love. To be steadfast looks like humility and to be steadfast is to be about a greater purpose than yourself i want you to think of this this word steadfast like a tree that is planted it is standing fast and perhaps at the beginning when it is just planted it doesn't feel so stable but what does a great tree need to do first? It needs to put down deep roots. And when it starts to put down roots, it gets those nutrients that it needs. It can't be easily pulled up. And even though there might be some time it takes for it to develop up top, once those roots set in down below, there is a steadfastness that will come even when it doesn't look like it. And for you this morning, maybe you feel like your life does not look like the steadfastness that you desire, that you feel like your faith is not producing perseverance, that everything around you seems to be chaotic and you feel blown side to side. Let me just assure you this morning that this, when you place your hope and your trust in Jesus, when you are committing your life in, in relationship, in spiritual practice, in daily setting of those roots in a relationship with Jesus, those roots are the things that's, that can sustain. The world might look at the outside, but our God sees the inside, and he's shaping you, and he's working within you, and he's moving you to a place that you can be steadfast, and you can grow within that. I love that idea of a deeply rooted tree. There, there's some synonyms that you can associate with, with the idea of steadfast, but one in particular is this idea of unfailing. Unfailing. God's steadfast love is God's unfailing love. Unfailing. Why tie all this together? He says, consider it pure joy. And then he says trials and tribulations, they are going to be, require a faith that produces perseverance, and then it's going to lead us to this, this maturity and to lack nothing. And when I read this all together, and when I, we consider this idea of what it means to consider at the beginning, I almost see it as this, that it is the idea of faith producing a perseverance that has a full effect, and the full effect of perseverance is pure joy. 
the full effect of perseverance is pure joy. Because joy is the, is the theme in the whole story of the Bible. In nature, we talked about it. Psalm 104, talking about the wine. Proverbs, talking about children. It is an attitude. Hear me on this. Joy is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of their circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promises. If you want to be steadfast, there needs to be a hope found in God's love and promises. It's, it's this almost like this cycle that when I am persevering, when I am steadfast, I discover pure joy. And when I'm discovering pure joy, I'm better able to stand steadfast. Because when it says lack nothing, it's not talking about our finances. It's not talking about a relationship. There will be moments in our life where in a, maybe a practical or a visible way, we might say that we're lacking something. This is talking about this internal joy that we discover, this, this joy that is not based upon our circumstances, but upon our Savior. This is a joy that goes beyond what we can see and what we can maybe even know but it's an assurance of the promises of God that are given to you and to me because happiness is a symptom of circumstances but joy is a product of perspective happiness is a symptom of circumstances but joy is a product of perspective James, he doesn't command us to wear our happy faces that so many people seem to think are required in a church or in other Christian circles. No, James is telling us to think about our trials in a certain way. That there is a point of view we need to adopt a particular way to consider, consider what is going on. You don't ignore or suppress your sorrow. There are many kinds of trials, but we are placing our trust that our loss will not be the final word. Christian joy, biblical joy, is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. In Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The people of Israel had just returned from exile back to Jerusalem. They had many kinds of trials. And I can almost hear him saying something quite similar. Consider it pure joy because the joy of the Lord will be the strength that you need to persevere. So if you feel this morning that you are lacking joy, my encouragement to you is what would it look like to maybe persevere? Not persevere based upon your own strength, but upon the faith that we place in Jesus. And maybe you feel like you're lacking joy this morning. Well, uh, maybe you feel like you're lacking a sense of perseverance or joy. They, they all are cyclical and they work together. That one needs the other and one feeds into the other because the full effect of perseverance is pure joy. And we're supposed to consider it pure joy when we're in the midst of our trials to have the faith to persevere. We need to trust the source. We need to know the source. You might feel like the music in your life is being played for you and you don't know where it is coming from. You don't know who is setting the playlist. You don't know why it is the songs that it is that are being played and you don't know what to do about it. It feels like it keeps on changing at random. You don't know what to say, to think, and you feel overwhelmed. My, my promise to you this morning is that the first step that you can take is to look to the source, to look to the source that you have in your life currently. Where is the source of your joy? Where is the source of your faith? 
because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and we need strength in this season. The full effect of steadfast is pure joy, and that is to lack nothing, not to be discontent, not lusting for something more, not rushing past what is, but wholly content in the arms of a steadfast God, trusting that he is present in every, in every trial so I can count it all pure joy. So my encouragement to you this morning, City Collective, wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, maybe you're watching this morning and you don't know who Jesus is and, and you're, you're not even really sure about the, the validity of, of the Christian faith or where you're even at right now. I'm, I'm not looking to make a, a, a vast theological argument to you in this mo- moment. What I would love for you to do, though, is just to open your heart to consider where I'm at right now, what is the source of my joy? Happiness is a symptom of our circumstances. Joy is a product of our perspective. What if we were to make our perspective based upon the faithfulness of a faithful God? The joy that we are to find to be found in a perspective that is so much grander than the trial that we're in. Would you consider what is the source of your joy? Would you consider how maybe there is an opportunity to persevere in the trial, to return to the source and choose a joy that is a product of my perspective and not my problem. And if you're asking questions about who Jesus is, James is the, is the brother of, of Jesus. And he started in a place where he denied him, where he didn't know him. And then he went on a journey where he came to know who Jesus was, and it changed everything. He was able to de- then begin to call his trials pure joy. Because he had an assurance that within the trial, within my struggle, I have a God that wants to be in it with me. And for you this morning, maybe you just need to hear that, that there is a God that wants to be with you in your struggle, within your trial, within your story wants to give you the joy that we so desperately crave. All it takes is us for to open up our hearts. The Bible says is all we need to place our trust and our hope in Jesus, to turn away from the way that we're going and turn towards him and say, God, would you come into my life? Jesus, would you come into my heart? I want you to be the center of all that I do. I want the joy that you promise. I want my perspective to be based on you. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we just give you thanks. Here on this Pentecost Sunday, as we reflect upon the idea of the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples in that upper room and the the revelation of who you are overwhelming the masses and the miracle of of language becoming possible in in a dramatic and powerful way, we we give you thanks that the same power that was at work in that upper room is the same power that's at work here on this live stream. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the power of God that was able to move hearts and shape minds is the same one that is at work here today. For everyone that is listening this morning that has felt like this has been a season of constant trials, of constant tests, they have felt the pressure and they have felt like they haven't been able to persevere. Thank you, Jesus, that your grace is for us. 
that your grace and forgiveness meets us exactly where you're at, and you still promise us that pure joy is possible. What if we were just to consider it? Give us the courage this morning to consider it all pure joy and to understand that within the perseverance, we might find that, that we lack nothing that there would be pure joy made available to us. Thank you that in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the power of your word, in the power of your promises, we can place our trust that you're going to be with us in the midst of our struggle. And in the midst of our pain and our suffering, we can look to you and discover that you're for us and not against us, that the joy of the Lord will be the strength that we need and that the best is truly yet to come when we place our life directly in your hands. Give us this courage this week to do just that. As each trial comes, I wonder if you would just remind us to count it all pure joy. And as each moment of perseverance moves through, uh, I just pray right now that we would discover that joy in you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.